Hey friends, welcome to the Victor Marks Podcast with Victor Marks, founder of All Things Possible Ministries. Welcome to the show where we bring you real conversations faced with life's hard truths, stories of redemption, and the latest from the front lines. Whether you're on the road, getting your day started, or finally settling in, we've got an exciting new episode planned for you. So let's dive in to today's show. Welcome to the Victor Mark Show. I'm obviously not Victor. My name is Frank Sontag, and I have the blessing of sitting in for Victor. He's deployed on assignment right now, and so I'm sitting in for a few days, and one of the the areas that I'm really excited about, uh, most of you probably don't know me. I've been in radio for a long time. This is, in a sense, my vocation right now. So I'm in Victor's chair, and I get to interview some of the people behind the scenes that are responsible for the incredible ministry of all things possible. So without me going on and on, I want to introduce my guest, who I know and I love quite well. Chaz Yandel is the chief of staff at All Things Possible Ministries. Chaz is also a pastor locally in Colorado. And Chaz, how are you today, brother? Great to be with you, Frank. No complaints. It's a beautiful Colorado Springs afternoon. Uh, No complaints at all, brother. Glad to be with you. Well, it's good to hear your voice. I'm not going to complain. I'm in Los Angeles. We'll just leave it at that, shall we? (laughs) (laughs) Having been from San Diego for a long time, I totally understand. Yeah, I know you were on staff at The Rock for a while with Miles. How, How did you end up at ATP? How did you end up in Colorado? Well, actually, my start with Miles was uh, long before The Rock. He was actually the youth pastor. It was his first ministry gig um, in San Diego at a church called Horizon Christian Fellowship. So I was with him there. Uh, We were both, you know, 20-somethings cutting our teeth in ministry. Uh, He was the youth pastor, and I was one of his uh, two uh, assistants there. And so uh, that's how... I mean, we're talking 1980s there, Frank, so that's a long time ago. How I eventually came to be connected with Victor was that uh, Miles and my pastor, a guy by the name of Mike McIntosh, uh, there at Horizon Christian Fellowship in San Diego uh, in the early 20-somethings, was handing his uh, fellowship in San Diego off to his son and uh, still feeling that he had a a lot more left in his gas tank was searching out opportunities for where he could be used by the Lord, and he ended up with Victor. And so on uh, Victor's first trip to the Middle East uh, back in 2015, uh, Mike McIntosh was with him and kind of threw out uh, on that trip. He said, hey, you should have brought Chaz on this trip. And Victor's response was, I've heard of this, Chaz, uh, <laughs> but, you know, we haven't met. And so, you know, we, we, can't, we come out of the same uh, Calvary Chapel tribe uh, of the body of Christ, and uh, one thing led to another. And the next trip to Iraq, which was only a few months later, I was on that trip. And somewhere in the middle of that trip, Victor said, hey, I think uh, you're supposed to be working for me. And there was another uh, group of pastors on that trip, and one of them was over, happened to be overseeing the Calvary Chapels in the state of Colorado who approached me and said, hey, there's a, a group of 10 people down in this place called Pueblo. Uh, actually, maybe it was 12 people, but it was a small group that said, hey, they requested a pastor, and uh, it's been almost a year and nobody's responded. Um, at that time, you know, I was thinking Colorado. Uh, things had kind of shut down as far as doors open 
for ministry in San Diego at that time for me. And, you know, I heard Colorado. I didn't hear Pueblo. I just heard Colorado. <laughs> and uh, both of those things, I brought those two guys together, Victor and he, and said, hey, um, we have some unique family circumstances, and I could actually uh, do both if that works for you. And that's how in uh, 2016, or the, forgive me, the uh, end of 2015, I ended up moving to uh, Pueblo, Colorado, which is about an hour and a half south of Colorado Springs. And I basically pastor a church in Pueblo. And then what I refer to as my day job is with Victor here in the Springs at All Things Possible Ministries. If you would, and I want to get back to your early life and what you and your wife have done. You were missionaries in the Philippines. I I want to get to all that. But for the listeners that were grateful that have tuned in to listen to the Victor Mark show here, I, I want to try to give them a snapshot of all things possible ministries. And when you say your day job as chief of staff, just give them a little bit of a glimpse of what maybe in the course of your day you do at ATP. Sure. Um, it's funny because uh, our new chief of uh, operations, Jeff Teagues, uh, when he came on, he, he liked the fact that I jokingly refer to my term, uh, my title as chief of staff should actually be chief of stuff. Um, and so uh, Victor likes to refer to me as his logistics expert. Um, just through life experiences and everything else, um, I'm just multifaceted and able to get lots of different things done. Before, uh, just within the past year, year and a half, we've uh, greatly expanded our team, and greatly expanded means we're up to almost a dozen now. Uh, But it's it's a true honor and a blessing uh, at this stage of my life in ministry to be involved in all the aspects of what we do here at All Things Possible. Chaz Yandel is here, Chief of Staff at All Things Possible Ministries. This is the Victor Marks Show. My name is Frank Sontag. Victor is deployed on mission, if you will, and I'm here to sit in for a few days and interview some of those that are responsible for this incredible ministry. Victor's been on this uh, network for a while, and I know in radio people come and go all the time. If someone was to ask you, because you've been literally boots on the ground for a few years with ATP, if they say, well, what is ATP? What kind of ministry is it? If someone says, Chas, tell me more about all things possible ministries, what would you respond with? Initially, Frank, the very first thing is that— We're a God-honoring, Jesus-loving group of people that simply want to help anybody who has suffered from trauma and the radical effects of what trauma does on the life. Um, If anybody listening has never heard Victor's story, uh, I suggest very strongly that they go to, you know, victormarks.com or go to YouTube and just simply search Victor Marks, M-A-R-X, and then watch his story. Um, Victor is the type of person that I have always said the average American would not be surprised if Victor were currently a psychopathic homicidal killer right. uh, because of what he's gone through right. as a youth and what he survived as far as that uh, horrific abuse. But the fact that he is not only functional, but functional with a purpose and a drive to help anybody else who has suffered from any type of trauma, uh, regardless of their background, regardless of ethnicity, regardless regardless of uh, their religious preferences, regardless 
of their sexual orientation. Victor just has a heart to help anybody who has suffered from trauma, and that is exactly what ATP uh, was birthed out of and has continued to grow. And as God has increased our tent pegs, uh, you know, we've gone from primarily reaching out to incarcerated youth to uh, literally it just flew in uh, last week from uh, Iraq with him where we were visiting uh, people, primarily youth, that were in uh, IDP, you know, in, internally displaced people and refugee camps that we've been helping over the course of the past uh, four or five years, ever since ISIS rolled uh, into those areas. And so it's all about being the hands and the feet and uh, the hugs and the, and the love that God gives people in the midst of some of the most disparaging times that they go through. And then the blessing of being involved with a group of people that don't just want to help once, but really want to help people through uh, and getting through the next stages of not just life, but life that is both uh, functional and fulfilling in a way that only God can do it so that he gets all the glory. Yeah, amen. And I know you say that not only because you're on the team and you're in ministry with Victor and so many others at ATP, you have had a heart for the lost for basically your whole life. And if you would talk about maybe your early days, and then I want to talk about you and your wife and how you were missionaries in the Philippines and talk about the family structure and just really serving the lost. Hmm. I don't know how it happened, but I'm thankful. Uh, I'm the youngest of seven. Uh, I'm an oops child. There's almost uh, six and a half years between me and number six. Uh, my parents come from the South Pacific. Both of them are from the islands of Samoa. My dad was from American Samoa. My mom was from, at the time, what was called British Samoa. Uh, I'm, my dad was uh, in the military, just went home to Jesus uh, a couple months ago at the age of 95. Wow. Um, so very strict uh, Army infantry upbringing for me. And through that all, uh, both the examples that I saw from my dad as well as from my mom of self-sacrifice and service, uh, my dad in self-sacrifice and service for our country and our nation and our world, and my mom in uh, the same type of roles except for our family, for some reason those just kind of always stuck out with me. And just from youth, I just was very oriented towards serving others. Uh, like a normal teenager and a late teenager, I kind of got into the selfish aspects of life, uh, but had a strong enough foundation um, that I was able to earn a Fulbright scholarship through the U.S. Air Force. I was an engineering student looking to become the first uh, Samoan astronaut. That was my goal. But God has a interesting way of redirecting uh, and changing things. And so yes, does. Uh, when I didn't end up going in, as I thought, into the military, I just at that time was already uh, working. And my wife and I uh, had kids. I would work my way through college as well uh, with a couple of kids and was serving at our church. And when the plan to go into the military didn't work out, I was uh, like, okay, God, what now? Um, I was working in the surfing industry, which you being in L.A. was a great gig, loved surfing, loved spending time at the beach and in the ocean. Um, but I was also serving at our church uh, with Miles then uh, in the youth ministry. And um, in 1990, our church went to the Philippines and did 
some evangelistic outreaches there, and they came back and shared an opportunity that a local mayor uh, had given Pastor Mike McIntosh and the rest of our congregation back in San Diego an open door for somebody to come and help in the area of children in need. Mm -hmm. And uh, that message really resonated with my wife at the time. Um, It wasn't resonating with me, but over the course of the next few months, uh, God kind of revealed to me that he'd been knocking on my heart, and I just was being selfish and didn't want to deal with it, didn't want to do it, wasn't being obedient. And uh, I I did this crazy thing, Frank, that you've heard a few people do. I, I actually attempted to play a game with God called Stump God. And, and I threw out uh, kind of a semi-biblical challenge to God that if he really wanted me, which at that time was to move from San Diego, California, to a place overseas that I'd never been to in my life, um, he would have to prove it by my, me opening my Bible and uh, giving him—you'll <laughs> laugh at this—I told God, quote, I'm going to cut you some slack. I'm going to give you both pages. Because I'd heard about people like opening and pointing. Right. I literally said, I'm going to cut you some slack. And I know God's gracious because I didn't get struck by a lightning bolt right there. (laughs) And sure enough, I open my Bible, and it opens up to James chapter 1. And I get down to the end of the very first page, and James, uh, it's sitting right there at me saying, Pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, that you minister to the needs of the widows and the orphans in their distress. And that's the first part of it. And I I just, it was like a Holy Spirit highlighter turned it into a neon sign. And I started weeping, not because I'd heard from God, but because I'd lost. And I knew that if I'm going to call this game to God, I have to do what I'm going to, what I said I would do. And sure enough, uh, short, long story short, we went into the next day and told my boss at work that I was going to have to transition out within the next year, and uh, sure enough, we were over in the Philippines in 1991. Now, you you say that you transitioned out after a year and you went and served in the Philippines with your wife. One of the first times I met you, and and just 30 seconds of a story for our listeners that haven't been to the training center yet in Colorado Springs or know a lot about what ATP is doing now— but you all are involved in some very intense areas of ministry, and humor humor is of the essence. There's always <laughs> laughter going on at the training center and among you. And the, one of the first times I met you, Victor turned to me, introduced me to you, and said, ask Chaz how many children he has. <laughs> and your answer was? Uh, 26. And I, I thought— we have. I don't understand. That can't be right. 26? (laughs) Let's talk about that for a moment, if you would. Sure. Uh, We have six biological children and 20 adopted. Uh, We ended up in the Philippines in 1991 doing, uh, I mean, we were both in our early 20s, and we went to help, and there was such a great need in the city that we were in, um, over 400,000 people, but there were just a lot of things that kids needed, and we just prayed for what it was that we felt that God wanted us to do, and it ended up being reaching out to poorer families who had kids that were dying due to malnutrition, third and fourth degree malnourished kids, and um, the kids would come and basically stay at our house while we would hopefully be able to stop that process of malnutrition leading to death, and we were thankful that over the 25 
years of what we did, we never had a kid die on us, Frank. God was totally gracious. And so we were able to reunite these kids with their families. Fantastic, just crazy stuff, just the numbers that were going through at the time. But at the same time, there came a day when we went to take a child back and all of the information that we had for where he was from and the phone number of the mother, um, it was all false. Oh my! And gosh. that began the process of more kids and more kids that we were taking back that they primarily were from single mothers mm-hmm. who, because of their uh, devout Roman Catholic background, never had an abortion, mm-hmm. but didn't really want the child. And now the child is born and the child is sick and they didn't know what to do. And so God got them to us and we were able to basically, through the power of God, get them healed, but then there was no place for them to go. So they stayed at the facility that we were running because it was a house. That's all it was. And they were sharing rooms with our biological kids. And as they were all primarily, you know, two years or younger when they came to us, when they started talking, guess what they started calling me and my wife? (laughs) What our kids were calling us, which was mom and dad. And so mommy and daddy, when you got a little kid calling you mommy and daddy, they're already adopted in your hearts. Um, but that doesn't necessarily help them in the long run. So we actually went through the legal processes because God literally had the laws changed while we were there praying about this to where foreigners living in the country under a certain type of visa, which we just so quote-unquote coincidentally happened to have, could avail of local adoption laws. And so that began the process of 13 cases over the course of 13 years, uh, to get the 26 or the 20 children at that time that we had had uh, adopted and legally ours. My goodness, Chaz, yeah. I want to I want to follow up with that. A couple quick thoughts. Um, I, I want to do part two and do a, um, a second part of an interview with you because we literally have about oh six or seven minutes and we're just kind of scratching the surface. So let's kind of okay. table the idea of doing part two sometime in the not too distant future. And in the time we have now. I want to ask you a very direct question. As any of our listeners, if they listen intently to what you talked about with the testing God and and you open the Bible and there it is, you're convicted, you're weeping, I want to ask you this very specifically. Many listeners, many of us struggle with this idea of, I want to serve God, but I'm not sure what he wants me to do. And we wait, Mm. we wait for signs. And and this Mm -hmm. idea, when we are prompted, the question I want to ask you is, you said yes, you were obedient. Could you please speak deeper to that? Because I I think for many of us, we may even have prompts that are yes, and yet the question is, why don't we follow through with it? So if you would speak deeper to that, because you're a living example, you and your wife, Terry, and what you do at ATP— you're an obedient servant of the, the great warrior king, Jesus. And I know there are listeners right now, maybe by divine appointment, listening to this interview. Do you remember a man by the name of Tony Campolo? Oh, sure. <laughs> so Tony now is, in quote-unquote, infamously remembered for being the spiritual advisor to President Clinton. Yes. And so because of that, he is often maligned for that attempt to even come alongside Uh, President Clinton. Before that ever happened, he did a, remember DVDs? I watched a DVD with uh, Tony Campolo 
speaking on a subject, I believe it was called, If I Had to Live Life Over Again. Mm. And here I am in my early 20s watching this as a young believer, and the premise was 100 people over the age of 95 were asked this question. If they had to live life over again, I love it. what would they do differently? I love it. Here's the three top answers that came out of this group of people approaching 100 years old, what they said. Number one was they would have, and these aren't necessarily in the order from the movie, but this is what I'm remembering at this moment. Number one was they would have taken more time to evaluate where their life was going so that they could make changes. Hmm. And so I remember as a young person thinking, so people often just kind of get going on this one path and they stay there all their life. They never take stock of what's going on, possibly some things to change. The second thing was they would have invested more of themselves, their time, their money, all their resources into something that was going to outlive them. Yes. So people tend to get to the end of their lives and say, what significance did my being on planet Earth have? And many people look back at that and say, it really wasn't significant. And then the third thing that was there was they would have taken more risks. So the average person that lives longer, even if they don't live long, you get to the ending stages of your life and you realize, I took the easy road. And so that video, bar none, had such an impact on me when I was a young believer that I had told myself, I never, ever, ever should I make it to 95, which is interesting that my dad just made it to 95. But I never wanted to have regrets at the end of my life that I took the easy road, that I didn't make any changes, and that I wasn't willing to take risks. And so that would be my exhortation to anybody that's out there, whether they're 25 or whether they're 75, because nobody knows exactly how much time we've got left. That's right. That's right. But utilize that time to be a warrior prince in the kingdom of heaven's advancement on earth. Mm. Amen. Amen. Chaz Yandel is my guest. He is chief of staff at All Things Possible Ministries. This is the Victor Mark Show. I've got probably eight questions. Again, we'll do part two soon. In literally about the 90 seconds we have left, anything that God has on your heart, please share with our listeners here on the Victor Mark Show. Well, we've all gone through a rather interesting last year and a half, wouldn't you say? And who knows what it's going to be moving forward. I know there's a lot of hope. Uh, There's a lot of returns to somewhat what we would refer to as normalcy that's giving everybody a lot of hope uh, as far as life returning to normal as we know it, at least here in the good old U.S. of A. I would strongly caution the American Christian right now to be very careful that we're not being lulled into a false sense of a return to normalcy. Yep because I'm not sure God wants us to return to normalcy as it was before. For sure. Now, there are obviously some things within uh, our nation that we'd like to see return to normal, but I don't know if God wants us to return to the normalcy that we saw things and how we were living our lives as followers of Christ. And so 
on my heart right now, what I've been sharing with my congregation as we've been going through the book of Revelation, is that we know that everything is set up for the return of Christ, which means that we also know everything is set up for the introduction of this world system that we see in the book of Revelation, you know, the, the great harlot of Babylon the Great, and the church simply needs to realize time is short, and we need to start living for Jesus as if he was coming tomorrow, because he literally actually could be. And, yep. and let me rephrase that. We need to be living for Jesus as if he could be coming today. For sure. Because he literally could be. For and sure. If we live that way, Frank, and I know you would encourage your listeners to this as well, that if we live that way, the world looks greatly different than what it does right now. If the body of Christ will simply be who God has called us to be, the warrior princes and the warrior princesses of the returning victorious king. Yes, amen. Brother, time is out. Uh, Part two coming soon. Chaz Yandel is the chief of staff at All Things Possible Ministries. Chaz, thank you for blessing our listeners. Thank you for all you do at ATP. And thank you for all you do for God's kingdom. I love you, and I'm looking forward to our next one together very soon. Well, God bless you, Frank, and you're doing a great job sitting in for Victor, and it's truly an honor to be here at ATP with Victor and Eileen Marks and the whole team, and we're definitely, definitely thankful to be here with you, Frank Sontag, on the Frank Sontag version of the Victor Marks show. (laughs) All right, we will continue more. I'm sitting in for Victor Marks for a handful of days, more of the Victor Marks show to come. Thank you for listening. Those of you in listener land, we love you. God bless you. Stay strong in the Lord. This is the Victor Mark Show. Thanks for joining us for today's episode. We'd love to stay connected with you and invite you to the conversation beyond this podcast. You can check out more of the work we're doing around the world at victormarks.com, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, all linked in the show notes. Be sure to drop us a comment in the review section if today's show has impacted you in any way or if there's anything you'd like to hear more of. We're always encouraged to hear from you. Thanks for spending your time with us. Until next time.